Made for More is a series to help you discover Christ and unfold the way he desires us to live our lives. This young adult series has the next generation of Catholic in mind, discussing the importance of identity, knowing the Lord's will in our life, and living with heaven in mind. This series features local and national speakers, including Nathaniel Beniversi of Exodus 90, Father Patrick Briscoe from the God's Planning Podcast, and Tulsa's very own Father Vince Fernandez, and so many more to come. So if you could share, like, subscribe, and most importantly, go out and make disciples. From us here at the Diocese of Tulsa Communications Office, we thank you. Hold on, I gotta finish this thing on Poshmark. Right there. Okay, we're good. Just kidding, it's a timer. Okay, don't, don't boo me already. Let's pray real quick. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> gracious God, we know that you are our good father, um, yet we act or we don't believe it completely. We ask that um, in every moment, in every day, in every second of our lives that we be open to your will. Um, we ask that you be here with us now, that um, whatever you want us to hear, whatever you want us to receive, whatever you want me to say, it would be only your will and guided by the Holy Spirit. We abandon ourselves to your divine providence. We ask that you guide us in every circumstance. We fall into your arms as you guide us through life. We ask this all through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, it's good to be here. Good to kind of kick off the series. Um, like Hannah said, well, actually, so Hannah said that each speaker was picked because they are an expert in this area. Um, full disclosure, I was like, the 13th person to be picked. Like we, we wanted to get some, if you guys know who the CFRs are, the Franciscan Fires of Renewal, we, I talked to like five of them, they all said no. We talked to like other priests in the diocese and they were like, oh, I'm busy. So Hannah was like, can you just do it? And I was like, I guess, I mean, <laughs> there's like no one else, so. Um, so yeah, I just got called off from the bench. I was literally the last resort, which is fine. I'm happy to be here, I'm not bitter about it or anything. But I will say, talks, they will get exponentially better as time goes on, <laughs> because they will be professional speakers. Um, so if this talk like really sucks and you're like deterred from ever coming to the club ever again, like please don't let that be a factor. Like give it another shot. Don't let me be a, a hindrance to that. Um, yeah, don't be like, you know, this whole made for more series sucks. I'm never gonna go again. Like just because I screw up, don't don't let me be, you know, that issue there. Um, so this first talk is on. Um, death to self and abandonment to divine providence. And there was a real kind of um, intentionality with the next series of talks for this semester, right? They all kind of build on each other. And whether it's about woundedness or identity or discerning God's will, and we'll put all that information out there, but a series obviously is, is connected, right? That's why it's a series. And um, this is the first stepping stone. Um, and so when we talk about our woundedness and need to be healed, or we're talking about our identity or discerning God's will or, or whatever, that can't happen without trusting him first, without that abandonment to divine providence. Um, if we don't have that openness to him, we're not gonna trust him, right? If we don't trust him with every aspect of our life, there's gonna be aspects of our lives we don't trust him in. And so whether you're a hardcore devout Catholic and you've heard these topics a million times or you know, you're someone who's feeling far from God and just want to get a little kickstart there or just kind of get back to your faith or whatever, 
Um, these talks, God willing, will have something for you, right, and help you kind of grow in that relationship. And like I said, they all kind of build on each other. And it all goes back to relationship, right? It goes back to trusting the Lord. That's kind of the point of abandonment, trusting completely in him who directs and orchestrates every aspect. So what does it mean to abandon ourselves to divine providence? It's not, a, it's not like a commitment or dedication or determination. It's a surrender, right? It's a release of oneself to God's will. It's like, you never watch those like YouTube videos of like a kid like jumping off the top of like a, like a bookshelf into its father's arms, right? It's like that. That is abandonment of divine providence, right? That is trusting without perfect trust, without fear, without concern, putting everything in his hands uh, to live a life of radical trust for the Lord. Um, and this means every moment of my life, right? Every single second, I give myself to whatever God has in plan for me and an openness to wherever he wants to lead me, wherever he wants me to go. Um, and that could be leaving everything behind to follow him. It could be through pain and suffering. It could be going to the unknown and not knowing where my life will be. It could be even my sins. But abandoning ourselves to God's providence means trusting his goodness, that I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to lay down my will and choose to abandon myself to God completely, a totality of ourselves. So really, abandonment to divine providence, it, kind of, it boils down to, to one question. Do we believe God is enough? Do we really believe that he's enough in our lives? Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I studied in Rome for five years. And if, uh, yeah, so it's this inside joke that I somehow bring this up all the time. Um, so if you think why people are laughing, it's because of that. And if it sounds prideful, it is prideful that I studied in Rome. But um, when I studied in Rome, I used to, um, where we lived and we had lunch and slept and all that stuff was a 30, 40 minute walk from the university that we went to school at. And we had to walk 30, 40 minutes back to school or back, to, back home to have lunch at 1.15. And it was always kind of, you had to hustle, right, to get, get there on time and, and not be late. And you'd be starving because I wouldn't eat anything during the day. And sometimes it'd be rainy, sometimes it'd be really hot. And um, there was always like, obviously, it's a seminary, so we would open with a prayer, right? And one, one instance, we'd do the Bless us the Lord prayer, prayer, just like the, the, you know, the normal like, prayer before meals. And then this other instance, they would quote Psalm 145, the eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in due season. You open wide your hand in the satisfied desire of every living thing. And I would get so pissed when the guy would do that because I'd be like, I am so hungry right now. Like, I don't have time. Even though it was like 10 seconds of like, just like psalm that's really beautiful, I was like, bro, we need to eat. Like, I, I need to eat pasta, like right now. And it was really irrational and it didn't really make sense. And um, <laughs> just kind of my life. But, um, but when I like looked back on it and prayed about it, um, there's something in there that that's true, right? We're talking about food in that instance. But the reality is, it's really profound, right? That God satisfies the desire of every living thing. That means us, right? That whatever we want, whatever we truly desire, God wants to make that a reality. He wants to satisfy every desire. He is a good father who cares for his children, provides everything we need. Later on, we have a talk on identity, right? Sons and daughters of God, um, of a caring father who will always be, be there for us. 
And it's an incredible place if we live from this gift, but more often than not, we live like orphans, honestly, right? Like how often do we turn to our Father in heaven and ask him for help in different things? How often do we rely on him completely? Do we really believe that he satisfies every desire? I know for me, I don't, right? I don't trust him with everything. I, I still like an, like, act like an orphan uh, most of my days. And there are places where I do trust him, right? Different aspects of my life where I trust in his goodness. But there's still a lot of places where I don't think Jesus is going to satisfy everything. Or I haven't experienced him satisfying everything, right? And it's not necessarily like a black and white kind of issue, right? Like either you trust God completely or you don't, right? It's, it's different pockets of your life. It's different spaces and different places. Um, like if I put, you know, I made you guys take a test and say that is God enough, you'd probably say yes, right? You get that right, and I was going to get that wrong. But it's living out that's different, right? This, this outside of that concept is what are those certain places where we act like orphans, right? We don't believe that our Father in Heaven is going to take care of us. And you can look at the saints in history. They all had this kind of breakthrough reality where Jesus was enough, where God became everything for them because they were brought to their knees and recognized their poverty before God. And in that moment, God comes through, and he is enough for them, and he satisfies their desire. Or you look at every saint's life, and this is a reality. Right? Classic one, St. Francis. Right? The story, if you guys know the story of him, kind of growing in conversion, he's taking his, his dad's like linens and selling them to give to the poor. His dad gets super mad. And so um, St. Francis in the square, like town square of Assisi, strips out naked, gives everything to his father, and says, okay, I'm bending my hands to my father in heaven, right? And the bishop puts his cloak around him, all that stuff. And it sounds like, when you hear the story, at least for the first time, it sounds like a really triumphant moment, like Francis made it, right? He, he abandoned himself to divine providence, like he trusted his father. Well, the reality is, like, actually, he kind of hits rock bottom, if you read his biography. Like, it's really, really tough for him. He goes to a cave, and he has this real experience of his, his poverty, of his weakness. He realizes he has nothing. And um, in the Chesterton biography of him, he, he walks out of the cave um, walking on his hands. So he sees the world upside down. If that sounds familiar, that's a cave from Mumford and Sons. It's literally a lyric from that. That song is all about that. But St. Francis, through this like, great experience of his own poverty, um, his whole life has changed. Right? He abandons himself to God's will. And that's what Franciscans do today. So he walks out of the cave upside down because he sees everything in dependence of God, right? That everything depends on him, right? These trees aren't just growing out of the ground. They're, they're kind of hanging in the balance, right? And that's how he sees the world from now on. Um, and the same thing for us and what we're called to is to give ourselves in that way to recognize and to have that kind of breakthrough moment of how really active God is in our lives, right? that he's there at every moment. He's calling us to live a certain way in every moment, and this is true for all the saints, right? And to live it out, that's not slavery. That's freedom, right? And what God wants, to do, wants us to do in every moment, that is where we encounter true freedom. And I think we fear sometimes that if we give ourselves to the Lord in those every single moment, in those every single days, we're going to be unhappy. Because once again, we don't think God is enough. We don't think he's going to fill our hearts. Um, what's thematic in this, to have that kind of breakthrough moment, is that real recognition of our need, right? Coming to our poverty, coming to our hunger, coming to our dependence. Um, once again, 
You know, we can live like orphans. We can live like we're totally in control. And the reality is we're not, right? You control your actions and your words and, you know, your fingers and toes, and that's about it, right? Everything is out of your control. Um, but we think we can do or do or think more than better than God, and we reject the gifts that he wants to give us. But before we can experience that God is enough, we have to come to that reality that other things aren't enough, that this person isn't enough, or this experience, or this career path, or this world, or even that I'm not enough, right? Not in the sense of self-worth, but in the sense that I, get, I got this. I can do this on myself, right? We have to, once again, die to all those things, right? To recognize these things are, are not enough. Jesus is the only thing that is enough. No other healing has worked. Nothing else has worked. Nothing else fills my heart or satisfies my hunger unless it's God. And that could take a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, a lot of trial and error. But to get to that point where I can see everything's in God's hands, right? And I can see everything so I can abandon myself. And so, like I said, for me personally, there are places in my life where I do trust the Lord, right? Where I know he's enough. And there's still places where I don't. So one example is the, like for me, the confessional. Confessions are super chill for me. People ask me all the time, do you get nervous? Are you scared? And I'm like, no, I'm just on Poshmark the whole time. And I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not on Poshmark. I'm going to hear confessions. But it, they're just like, I think for me, it was just recognizing like, OK, this is the Lord working. Like, I, I actually don't have to do anything in this moment. I just have to hear this person's words, uh, recognize that they're contrite, and give them absolution. Right. So any fear of saying the wrong thing or screwing up or being weird or whatever, right? Like, I don't really care, right? I'm just like, Lord, this is, this is your, I man, this to your will, right? I'm just, I'm merely an instrument in all this. And it's really awesome. And so I think the first time I heard confessions, it was for three hours straight. I was a priest for a week. And I was so hyped after that. Like, I'm not even kidding. I don't get hyped after confessions anymore. Not that like, I like hate them or something, but it's just like that, whole, that. but I just remember afterwards, I'm like 27 years old and I was like, I'm ready to like, I don't know, like run a marathon or something after this. Like it, was, it was awesome. It was so cool. Because I recognized, like, wow, I, this is all the Lord's work. That I am, in this situation, I am not enough, right? It's only the Lord working in confession, and he is enough for that. So for me, that's a place in my heart that's, that's pretty chill, right? So let Jesus do the work there. Um, and I'm pretty chill. If you haven't been in confession in a long time, I'm super chill. Other priests will rip you apart. But I, I am, <laughs> I'm super nice, so... Um, if that's one place you have a hard time surrendering or, or thinking God is not enough in, the, in confession, feel free to come to me. We'll have it over a beer. It'll be chill. But, um, but there's places, like I said, where, where I don't believe is enough, right? So another example, um, as I mentioned before, I, somehow I talk about Rome a lot. The second, thing, second most common thing I talk about, apparently, from my friends is that, that I almost died a few months ago. <laughs> so I like bring this up a lot, and um, that seems morbid and bizarre, because it is, because no one should really <laughs> ruminate on that as much as I do, but I do. And um, it's more a lot of kind of spiritual fruit in my life, and it's really stretched me and, and grown me in relationship with the Lord. I remember, you know, one moment where after my brother and my mom found me passed out in the bathroom, like riding in the ambulance, like fading in and out, and then making an act of contrition and saying, Lord, I'm really, really sorry for my sins. Like, really, really sorry. If there's any like issue between us, like, <laughs> I'm clearing it up now. Like, <laughs> FYI, 
I don't want to go to hell. So, but it helped me kind of realize like I am satisfied with my life. Like I, you know, if I died at 30, like my life has been awesome. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been awesome. And so there's a lot of peace with that, and and I really felt like I surrendered that to the Lord, and with my illness and my condition and that healing, I put it in His hands, or so I thought, right? And so just a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and um, I was supposed to have this pretty routine procedure, um, but for me and my condition, it's like a little risky, and um, I had this like consult with the surgeon, and she was like, it's kind of weird. She was like, why do you think we're here? And I was like. Uh, I don't know, that I could like bleed to death? She's like, exactly. But also, you could lose a large part of your colon. And I was like, thank you for telling me that. Now, that's, that's good to know. And I would end up with one of those like little, what are they, I don't know what they're called, colostomy bag. I almost said poop bag. I did say poop bag, but. And I was like, oh, cool, that's good to know. But she's like, don't worry, we're gonna have a full like surgical team on call just for you if something goes wrong. And once again, I was like, that is both reassuring and terrifying, so thank you for telling me that. Um, but I remember as like that day went on, um, I, I, I would like joke about it with like the people I was around, just like, like unprompted, like it was the cashier at CVS and was like, oh yeah, I could die tomorrow. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I realized, uh, <laughs> I realized I was, I realized I was actually really scared. I was actually like t terrified. And it was really kind of humbling because I, you know, I had felt like I had a handle on my whole condition. Like I wasn't afraid, right? I wasn't afraid to die. I wasn't afraid to, for my life to end. And I realized that I was afraid to not necessarily die, but to live like a handicapped life, right? To have that poop bag. What's it called? Colostomy bag? Yeah. I'm going to stop saying that. Um, or to be handicapped in some way, right? There was a real fear there. Um, and I was like legitimately terrified. I remember driving and I called. A few of my friends um, called my brother. They kind of talked me down, but, um, but I was still scared. And I don't remember, I actually don't remember being that scared my entire life, right? Just thinking about all the scenarios of like, oh my gosh, like this is my life. I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna have a large chunk of my colon, like all these things, right? Like I'm, I can't play basketball anymore. All these, you know, all the things I love, I'm gonna be severely hampered and, um, that night, I hadn't said mass yet, and I'm staying with some friends in Rochester. And so it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm saying mass by myself. It's dark. It's like super cold because it's Minnesota. There's just candlelight. And remember, after I consecrated the Eucharist, I just knelt down and just talked to Jesus and told him, Lord, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Um, and I realized in that moment, um, I didn't believe it was enough. I thought, okay, if my life is going to change drastically, it's going to be terrible, and it's going to suck, and my life is over, essentially, right? And yeah, in that moment, I didn't believe it was enough that he would take care of me. But then it hit me, and I realized, he's here. He's like literally here in front of me in the Eucharist. Like the Lord came. Like he is present in that, I just remember, I like never cry, this is crazy. <laughs> but um, I just remember knowing that like he saw me in my, my poverty and weakness and it came through, right? That, okay, like the surgery goes wrong 
and whatever, I'm paralyzed from the waist down or something, right? Worst case scenario. He's gonna come. He's gonna satisfy every desire. He's gonna assuage every fear in my heart. And it was a small kind of breakthrough moment for me, right? And this kind of ongoing illness condition, knowing that he is enough, that he will come and be present if I ask him, right? He's gonna guide my life no matter what the circumstances are. Um, and it was really, for me, just a really powerful moment of learning to trust in the Lord, right? That in that moment of poverty and that weakness, Jesus was literally there, right? I, you know, thank God I'm a priest and I can just like make him appear right through <laughs> the gift of the sacrament. But I was like, you, you literally came. Like you were here. You came through. You are enough. And there's still a lot of places, right, in my life that I don't let him in. There's a lot of places where it's closed off. And probably the same for all you guys, right? As I'm giving this talk, you're probably thinking like, okay, here are all the places I don't let God in, where I don't think he's enough. So kind of really think about what are those places? Where do I believe that he's not enough? Those places where we seek control, right, because we don't trust him, or there's places where we don't let him in because he's, we're afraid of what he's going to ask us to do, or those places where we need to surrender some kind of fear and anxiety, but we're afraid he's going to let us down. Um, whether it's in our sins or the wounds that we carry or the pains that we have in our work, in our family, friends, the living out what the church teaches, there's places in all our hearts that we don't believe he's enough and that he's going to fail us and that he's going to betray us and that we can't trust him and he won't satisfy. But he does. right? He satisfies every desire of every living thing. And we know this but we won't experience it until we let him in, right? Allow him to those places where we're scared to surrender, to let him have that place in our heart, to give him that radical trust. That comes from relationship, right? Knowing who God is, right? You're never going to have that radical trust in God. You're never going to be able to abandon yourself to divine providence if you're not praying every day, right? That's just a reality. Like, if you're not in relationship with the Lord, you're not going to recognize him or know him. Right? One of my favorite Gospels is the disciples in the storm. Right? Jesus comes to them, and they don't recognize him. And right? So they get scared. They're afraid. Um, and still, um, they fail to see him in the storm, yet he's coming to save them. And he comes to the storm, obviously, and he saves them. But it's, once again, like a little lesson for us, right? Um, that as Jesus approaches them, they get scared and think he's a ghost. But when they recognize him, he saves them and calms the storm. Well, same thing for us. Right? Often we want Jesus to come as something like warm and fuzzy, like a squishmallow or something. Like, Jesus, I want you to come and just like be something easy and light. But sometimes he comes in a storm. Right? Sometimes his will is in that darkness. Right? But we're not going to recognize him if we don't know him. We're not going to see him in that storm if we don't know who Jesus is. And that's why it's so important for this trust to come from relationship. Right? The surrender, that's not a resignation, but an act of surrender, right? A seeking of God's will. And one thing to recognize is God's will is kind of theologically, it's both active and passive or permissive, right? There's some things that God actively wills in our lives that he wants us to do. Um, and actually he wants, he wills something in our lives at every single moment, at every single day. But there's moments where he allows things to happen, right? That God has allowed certain things though they may be evil, to happen in our lives, right? So one kind of active thing is that we merely exist, right? God's active will is that we're here, right? That he's holding us in existence, right? How often 
I mean, do we even think about that? That like, we wouldn't exist, like God didn't like, we're not like a, you know, remember those robot dogs that you would like wind up and they would just go on their own and you'd let it go? That's not how God works, right? He's constantly with us. He's constantly holding us in existence. In every moment of our life, he is calling us to live his will in some way, right? And it's found in, in everything, honestly. And it's not so much like we have to go look to the heavens or like be in a church to discover God's will. It's, it's literally what's going to be right in front of us. But there's also his permissive will, right? Not directly willing something, but God permitting certain evils to bring about a greater good. When you think about all the suffering, all the death, all the loss we experience in this life, it's not so much that God actively made those things happen, right? But he allows them. And even those, and then allowing, he can make those things new, right? In every cross, he makes a resurrection. So in surrendering God's will, especially in suffering, we have to actively surrender, right? That in those evil things that happen to us, it's not so much uh, you're just like, okay, this is happening to me. I'm just going to let this happen and give it to the Lord, right? It's, it's, it takes a searching. Okay, Lord, why is this happening? Like, why, why are my arteries exploding? Like, I don't understand. Like, why, why am I sick all the time? Why did I lose this family member that was close to me? Why am I filled with anxiety all the time? Why am I so afraid to, why do I not know my vocation yet? Or whatever, right? Those things that are difficult, those things that are hard, it's not so much that we have to carry those crosses, but to see, okay, Lord, how are you calling me to holiness in this? How are you calling to sanctify me in this moment? Right? It's that it's an active surrender. Right? It's not merely just uh, I'm going to lie over and okay, this hurts, but you know it's God's will. No, He's He's going to do something. Right? He's going to heal us in some way. He's going to make us new in some way. We have to, but we have to cooperate that as well. It's not this dumb passivity, but an active engagement. And so either in his active or his permissive will, we're called to cooperate. And it's not going to look heroic every time, right? We might not get what God is doing or what he's about, but we send, surrender with a spirit of trust, right? To actively surrender, it's a radical thing, right? Another gospel that I love regarding boats and fear, Matthew 12, um, Jesus, once again, approaches them, right? And... Um, they don't recognize him, and they recognize him, and then Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out on the water, right? And it's this incredible moment. Peter takes his risk, right? He steps out of the boat, right? And he's able to walk on water and do something that was literally impossible. What was the first step? Step out of the boat, right? He had to be the one to cast into the deep, to step out of the boat. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He started to sink, Right? He started faltering. The same thing in our lives as well. Right? That when the Lord calls us out onto the water, we have to say yes. We have to step out of that boat. Right? No matter how radical, no matter how ridiculous it might seem, no matter how terrifying it might be, we just got to step out of the boat. And the Lord will take care of the rest. And we keep our eyes on him right? and stay in that relationship, stay in that identity of sons and daughters. And so maybe some examples of how the Lord is calling us to surrender. And you might feel personally attacked by this, and I hope you do, so I'm not going to apologize for that. But at least in my life, and just kind of my work as a priest, I think one, one area is, uh, is someone's vocation, right? I hear all the time, like, I'm open to it. Like, I'm open to whatever God's will is. You know, I'm open to it, Father. What uh, you know, like, I'm open to it. And I'm like, are you, though? 
Like, is it an actual surrender there? Because um, what I often hear is, you know, I hear, uh, what's a movie, Nacho Libre? My life is good. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good where I am, right? Like, it's, I'm happy. I've got a good job. I've got a good relationship. Like, I don't want to go down this path because I'm kind of afraid the Lord's not going to take care of me, right? To step out of that boat to discern your vocation to priesthood or religious life, that can be hard to do, right? But it takes, once again, that risk, right? And assuaging those fears of, man, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to have to be celibate. I have to give up so many things in my life. Trust me, as a priest, I still don't have given up everything in my life, right? Poshmark, once again. But, but if it's the Lord's will for you to be a religious or a priest, it takes a stepping out of the boat moment. Right? It takes that active surrender of, okay, Lord, if this is what you want, I'm just going to free fall, and maybe everything burns around me, but if this is your will, then this is your will. Or think about your own sin. Right? How is he calling you to surrender that to his divine providence? For example, pornography. Right? So many people struggle with pornography. Right? I, I think I've told this story before. Every time I sit down in the confessional, Someone confesses pornography or masturbation or both, right? It's literally, it's kind of ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It is ridiculous. No, it is. Because it's, it's a terrible thing, right? And every time I sit down, I, I hear it. Like, I, I get maybe once in my thousands of confessions, of the times I sat down to hear confessions, I've not heard it, right? But every single time, it's such a plague in our society. And I was, you know, it's usually, it's usually a guy, and I ask him, okay, how are you dealing with this sin? Like, how are you overcoming this addiction? And he's like, well, I put my phone away at night. I like put blockers on it. And I was like, how's that working for you? And they're like, it's not, it's not working. It's not working at all. It's going to take, and I tell them, it's going to take a surrender. right? It's going to actually going to take you, once again, to step out of the boat. You might need to tell somebody you're addicted to pornography. You might need to be open with your significant other. You might need to find a community to help you overcome this. right? You have to bring it to the light. right? That is in any addiction, right, or any sin, right, that, okay, actually, I, I can't handle this, right? Often we have this thought, like, okay, here's a sin, but I'm going to figure it out, and then I'm going to go to God later and be like, hey, I figured it out. We're good. Like, we're, we're chill. No, I have, to, I have to give it to him, right? I have to surrender to him. I have to step out of that boat. Or even just hard truths about ourselves, right, about our own woundedness, about our own trauma, or how I was abused, or how I was hurt, or... You know, those places in our lives we don't want to look at, right? That maybe we lost somebody, once again. Um, or maybe, um, yeah, I had a bad relationship with my father or mother, or they were abusive, or they were an alcoholic, or emotionally abusive, or whatever, right? All those, those pains and those dark moments, right? We kind of keep those, once again, hidden. We don't really, we don't like thinking about that, right? Um, but in that woundedness, we act out in different ways. Um, maybe it's a mental illness. Maybe it's anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts or whatever. In anything, the question remains, how is God calling you to surrender that? Right? How is he asking you to give that to him in that pain, right? in, that, in that moment? Um, a great practice of prayer someone taught me once is, you know, in those painful moments, whether it's, in anxiety or depression or abuse or being hurt or loss or whatever, imagine Jesus is there with you, 
Like, what would he say? Right? How would he respond in this moment um, as this thing's happening? Right? Um, invite him into that. Right? And that's hard to go to, but that's how the Lord wants to heal us. Right? The reality is the Lord's attracted to our poverty. Right? He wants to, that's how he comes into relationship with us. Right? How does he save us? It's through our sin. Right? And through that sin, we enter into a relationship with him. Or it could be hard truths about the faith, right? All those kind of spicy topics that are on the news all the time, right? Abortion, contraception, gay marriage, whatever, whatever it is, right, that we know that the church is established by Christ and thus is an extension of his will. How do I bend myself to that, right? That in those kind of difficult topics, I mean, Aubrey just talked about, where's Aubrey? Aubrey just talked about NFP, right? It's kind of a spicy topic, right? I remember I have, I do a lot of marriage prep and, um, and I, you know, I talk to my couples about NFP and, you know, things like that. And I never, I kind of, like, leave it to their conscience, like, okay, hey, this is what the church teaches, this is what the church offers, like, all those things. And I only had one couple straight up just tell me, like, hey, we're just going to do birth control. And um, we're not going to, we're, we're just not going to follow the church's teaching. And looking back, there's probably, they're actually the first couple I ever did marriage prep with. I hope they're not here. This will be awkward. Just kidding. They moved to, like, a different state. But, um, uh, <laughs> But I remember hearing that and, not be, and being a little timid and not, you know, not calling it out like I should have in that moment. But I remember kind of telling myself, okay, why, why are they choosing this? And the reality is they, they don't think God is enough, right? That in planning out their family, in planning out their sexual relationship, that God is not going to take care of them, right? That, okay, I need this in my control. Like, my family planning has to be done by me, right? Um, and obviously the Lord cooperates with us in, in natural family planning, but the reality is like there has to be an openness there, right? That To trust that he is going to take care of us. Um, so there's a lot of places in our hearts we're called to surrender, we're called to abandon ourselves. And the last thing I'll kind of mention is, kind of what I talked before is um, that book, Abandonment to Divine Providence, full disclosure, did not read it before this. I have no idea what the book is about. I'm assuming it's these things. But, uh, but this is good, because now we can read the book and be like, oh, Father Vince is wrong. This is exactly what is <laughs> wrong. But one thing, I did read some of it. And one thing he talked about, which is good, um, is to give yourself to the sacrament of the present moment. right? To give yourself to currently what is in front of you right now. Because um, we, we are like professional escape artists. right? We are, we are always trying to get out of what's happening right now in front of us in the present moment, right? We're either dwelling on the past or dwelling on the future, but the Lord's will is what's in front of us right now, right? And De Kassad, the author, talks about how that sacramental moment of the present is not only a path to holiness, it's the easiest path to holiness, right? To, to those tasks laid before us, those daily duties, that's how we become a saint, right? If a man fulfills his part, De Kassad says, God will do the rest, so a great example of this, once again, for scripture is the Annunciation, right? Just imagine, if you ever, like, imagine how the Annunciation played out in real life, like, there's all these jokes, like, on social media about, like, what angels actually look like. They have, like, six wings and six eyes, or seven wings and seven eyes and seven feet, and they're absolutely terrifying, and they, they're, like, made of rings and all these things, right? They're just, like, ridiculous, like, monstrous-looking things. So imagine, like, something like that appearing to a 13-year-old girl and saying, hey, you're going to be the mother of God, right? If Mary was not present in that moment, right, she's thinking about, oh, my gosh, 
Like, I'm gonna be a teenage pregnancy. How am I gonna do this? I'm not even married yet, blah, 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 right? Or think about her past, like, how am I worthy? All these things. She was present to that moment right there, right? And she was able to say yes to the Lord, right? And she had some questions, obviously, right? But they were more clarifying questions. But um, she was present to that moment. And we're called to do the same. And it's this reality that, once again, in every single moment of our lives, God is calling us to do something, right? His will is active in everything, right? We, we often, like, partition things off and um, be like, all right, I got, okay, God's calling me to go to work today, so I'm going to do that. And then God's calling me to pray, maybe, do a little bit of that. And the rest of the day is mine. And then I get my, whatever, eight hours of sleep and, you know, all those things, right? Actually, no, every, every hour of that 24 hours, the Lord wants in some way. He's calling us to live in a certain way. And once again, that might sound like slavery. And that might sound like, wow, that really sucks, right? But it goes back to the fact that, okay, do I believe God is enough? That if I give him every moment of my life, he's going to take care of me, right? Because the reality is we don't, right? We, we want to, we, you know, whatever. After I get off work, that time until bedtime is mine, and I don't care what God wants. And I'm speaking for myself, obviously, here, too, right? Like, this is, you know, all right, I'm done with the day, so I'm just going to watch Rick and Morty for the rest of the evening or whatever, right? Like I, you know, is that God's will for me to watch Rick and Morty for four hours? Probably not, right? Maybe, sometimes. But, like, the reality is that's, that's not often the Lord's will. But to have that kind of constant awareness, I guess, right, that at every moment God is willing something, right? But once again, that can't happen unless we are in relationship with him, right? But, but we get so antsy, right? We, get, we, get, we just want to leave. We just want to escape. So we dwell on the future and think about, okay, here are all the things I can control, and here, here are my plans for myself, and blah, blah, blah. And, or we dwell on the past and be like, oh, man, here's how I screwed up, or here's where you know, it seems like the Lord didn't come through. We're always constructing these like, fantasy worlds in our minds and always in a different place and, and kind of believing that, okay, if you know, this circumstance was changed, I'd be happy, or if this person was different, I'd be happy. It's not the reality, right? The reality is what's in front of you. And God is found in reality. He's found in that sacrament of the present moment. It's that daily yes, right? But it comes with that awareness that comes from relationship. To believe that Jesus will come, right? That he's going to come through, that he is enough, right? And that, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, like bungee jumping, right? You, you jump off. I've never been bungee jumping. I probably can never go bungee jumping again. Um, it was on my to-do list, but... Jump off, the, I'm assuming, you jump off the budgie cord, right? It looks like you're about to hit rock bottom, but the last second, you bounce back up, right? Sometimes that's what God, our relationship with God feels like, where it's like, all right, I'm just going to jump off. Even though I know you're there and I can see the rope wrapped around my feet, like I, I, I still have to kind of take that step. Um, that kind of daily awareness that God is willing something in our lives.